podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the Anfield Raps World Cup show, and it's a free World Cup show, and it's a free World Cup show in partnership with Redsbet uh, because Redsbet came on board this year, and we're delighted to do so. It means we can put more stuff out for free, which is great. So this is going out to everyone who listens to the free shows or tour subscribers, but we will be doing world cup content right till the end so if you do enjoy this and you want some more of it we would like everyone to subscribe of course but in the meantime i am john gibbons if i've not said that and i'm joined by dan austin by ian ryan and by mo stewart to talk about a round of 16 i mean first of all as a phrase no i'd never heard that before (laughs) until this tournament the round of 16 it does sound a little bit cumbersome doesn't it 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 sounds like i don't know like like something from camelot (laughs) (laughs) round of 16 Um, but that's been there I mean yeah so we're going to talk about all the games uh, that that have taken part in that uh, with particular emphasis on the last couple of days we're going to look ahead for the quarterfinals and because Dan Dan Austin asked nicely and you try saying no to that face uh, we're going to do a team of the uh, tournament so far that's a 1-11 to team of the tournament so far are we going to have to come to agreement or we do our own I think we'll do a joint one. I yeah, think. We'll I, think nice. I, I think I think I think that's more fun. Right, um, hey, but you know, if you if you want if you want to do your own one at home, uh, <laughs> feel free and text in and let us know who you picked. Um, but it's got to start with the big one yesterday, hasn't it, Dan? I mean, it wasn't a classic game. There was two and throwing, but in the end, Sweden did triumph over uh, Switzerland. <laughs> <laughs> the only team to have legitimately run on won a round of sixteen tie on the sides of the draw. Everyone else went through on penalties, uh, didn't yeah. they? Or one all. Um, so you. You'd look at them of the four that have that have gone through is probably the weakest, but they're the only ones that are there by by more than fortune, by really. Actually, winning a yes, game of by football? actually kicking the ball into the net more times than the opposition in the regulation period. I mean, I guess it's just unfortunate for them that they've got England next and it is coming home. <laughs> <laughs> it it does feel like of of all the teams that are that are left now, the eight of them that that if you had to. Pick one that you would guarantee is getting to a semi final. England would be your first choice because of the level of opposition. And I know that they've not got a great record against Sweden and have probably yeah. underestimated them before. But just going off the performances of, of both of them in the in the run up to the tie that will be on Saturday, it it really has to be England getting through at this point. I know that before before the tournament started, they've looked against a quarter final as a great success. And if you go out in a quarter final, then fair enough. But you've got to play the context of it now and. If they, if they don't get through to the semi, I think it sort of goes down as a, as a disappointing tournament at this point, just because of the level of opposition. If you're playing Brazil or Germany, as in theory it should have been, if it goes with the seed, and then fair enough, you go home a hero because you've won a penalty shootout. It's all fine. You look forward to 2022. But the sort of hard done by in terms of pressure now, because yeah. because of the way the draw has gone. I mean, they're the highest rated team in that size of the draw full stop. Like, if you go off that, they should be in the final, never mind the semi. But I, I think Croatia will be a really big problem for them. But they, they should be getting past Sweden. I think Sweden have defended extremely, extremely well so far in the tournament, but going forward, I haven't really offered an awful lot. I know there was that mad game where they beat Mexico 3-0, but I, I saw the highlights of that one, and it, it looked to me like it went 1-0, and then Mexico absolutely shat the kecks, basically. Because <laughs> they, rea- they realised they could get through with the defeat, but that Germany also had to not win. So it wasn't really like yeah, a normal yeah. game of football. Um, I th- but between have offered very little going forward generally so I think they're not going to cause England too many problems and England's firepower going forward and runners from midfield will probably be probably be just too much for them and then it means that it, it really is opening up for them like I, I, th- I still think that if they get to the final whoever they would end up playing from the other side of the draw whether it be France or Uruguay, Belgium or Brazil is, is better than them I would expect yeah. them to lose to whoever of those four but there's no reason really why they can't get to the final now which is mad to say yep um, I thought they played quite well at the start of the game yesterday Mo I thought they, they started pretty well and then Colombia would just have a none of it and then just thought I'm gonna, we're going to turn this game into an absolute gore fest yeah um, I've been talking a lot about the Snyder Olympics and I think that we were all pegged the Portugal-Uruguay as being that game but yeah. no it happened last night and England's games have followed a bit of a pattern recently and it's a bit of a pattern that's kind of uh, familiar to all us Liverpool fans in as much as that they'll have that first half an hour where everything looks sharp, everyone looks like they're on it and it looks like the goal's coming any moment and then just before half time the other team will get their feet, it'll start to settle down a bit and what happened differently for England is that in the second half was when we got the goal rather than in the first half but their reaction to the goal was probably quite 
expected, maybe yeah. the way it happened, the the level and the the, the intensity of the the shithousery was quite quite high, and maybe the fact that England didn't really take the bait was arguably one of the biggest reasons why they were still able to go on and win the game. Yeah, there was a couple of moments, wasn't there? Jordan Henderson loses his head a little bit and, 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 and sort of throws his head a bit, doesn't he, doesn't he? But, but, but generally speaking, I thought they kept the cool pretty well. It was just a case of getting the football going again, really, that they found hard once it becomes such a scrappy stop-start game. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I think... I think there was a maturity about the performance. Southgate kind of, you know, he talks about that in his uh, in his post match pre- press conference. Um, I think Mo's right there. The level of shithousery was unreal, especially in that first half. I mean, you've got to say fair play to some of the England lads because it would have been so easy. And we've seen it in past tournaments. You know, some really big names have have lost the rag and lost yeah. their head, and it's resulted ultimately in England going out. So um, I always felt a South American opponent didn't really suit England, and I think. You know, as the game wore on, Colombia get more and more into the game. I agree with you, John. I think England start pretty well, and they're, they're comfortably. I think they're certainly the better team in the first half an hour without creating loads of chances. And I think if you if you want to look for maybe slight concerns, um, even when they come up against someone like Sweden, who are very compact and don't give an awful lot away, it's that lack of creativity. I think for England, there's a there's a real issue around the midfield and, and maybe providing Kane with, with the ammunition he needs to, to go and score goals freely from open players opposed to the penalties that we're seeing him knock in. Um, and I think, you know, there, there was there was one or two chances there last night, but again, it's kind of, you know, final ball stuff, you know, Raheem Sterling, Jesse Lingard, opportunities to really play players in and they're just lacking that cutting edge. So I think if you're looking at at maybe one or two slight concerns, it would be the issue around creativity, but yeah. there's no doubt, like Dan's, Dan's nailed it, you know, England will look at this as a huge missed opportunity if you don't make at least the semi. But you know we've seen there's there's issues around both Croatia and Russia um, in, in recent games, so it's it's there for them, John, to get to a final. And then in a final, anything can happen. I've just had a little look at the odds. Actually, in England are the shortest odds to go through uh, with with Red to the to the um, to the semi-finals. Third favourites uh, for the tournament now, aren't they? Yeah, joint second, I think. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think obviously that that, that shows the, the level of opposition and what Dan was talking about more as much as you know England. And I'm sure you know people are having a bet on their yeah, on their own country definitely. as well. But but still, it's quite interesting. It's, it's the interesting thing for me though is that this level of expectation now where we're at. Is where it's normally at the beginning of the tournament. Yeah. So they're almost they've got they're on a hiding to nothing that they, they haven't got time to build themselves into it. Whereas now we feel like they've 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 kind of come over a big hump, and not just the idea of the penalties, but the idea of the last minute equaliser, the yeah. idea of the long periods of the game where we didn't look like we could string two passes together and didn't look like we knew how we were going to score a goal, but still managed to get through that. It's whether or not they can use those tools the next time it comes to the crunch. Because I think Dan's right. I, I, I don't think that England are going to go out there and, and convincingly beat Sweden. I think if England do beat Sweden, and I think they probably will, it's going to be a tight game. And Sweden are going to be putting their hopes on the fact that they can stifle England for long enough that they can go out there and get their own goal. Yeah, it's... it's it's not really attack- happening for those attacking midfielders as it done this 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 tournament and Raheem Sterling um it is isn't playing great and, do- and doesn't seem to me to know exactly where he should be kind of positioning himself on the pitch. Ali just doesn't look fit. Um mm-hmm. I don't think he's he's right. I was really surprised not to see Loftus Loftus cheek at some point in the game yesterday, although I understand where he was coming from with the subs. I think Lingard's doing okay. He's 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 being quite Jesse Lingard, isn't he? But <laughs> You know, in terms of at the moment, it looks like it's the it's the it's the wing backs who who's providing the creativity at the moment. Yeah, um, there's been a, a definite drop off from the first two games that he played compared to the last two, and I think a lot of that is down to the level of opposition. I think if there is something that they would be concerned about going into the Sweden matches, it's the the two half decent teams that they've played against. They've created very little. Um, they made loads of chances against Tunisia and didn't really take them. They made loads against Panama and did take them, um, but then as soon as they've played. Mm. Genuinely competent World Cup level opposition. It, it, it's been a lot more difficult for them. I think that I think that Sterling's the really interesting one. I think that you can put Ali's performances down to the fact that he has got the injury, and I think Lingard actually played really well most of the times when I've seen him. But Sterling just looks like he doesn't really fit, um, and he's probably 
bar Kane, he's, he's England's best attacking player comfortably. Yeah. He's, he's the one that you would say could get into most of the lineups at the World Cup. So it's strange that it's not really working for him. But I think I think the way that they play at the minute and the, and the way he, he fits into the system just doesn't really use a lot of his strengths. Mm. That a lot of the goals that he scored for um, Manchester City last season were him coming in at the far post and knocking one in from sort of six or seven yards. But England aren't really getting him in behind defences all that often. And I think that's partly because they've got Harry Kane up front. It's not really going to happen. You're not going to break him behind. Mm. And just the players around him don't really seem to go off his runs and, and, and play balls through to him in the way that he would like. And it's probably just because they don't play together an awful lot and they're not set up the way to play the Manchester City would be. So I think that... I think that he's the one there that, that from the other night could possibly look at, at, at being changed. And it's not because he's not a good footballer, it's just because in, in the four games that they've played so far now and there's no injury excuse, it just looks like it's not happening for him. It was it was interesting last night that a lot of the time, certainly second half, Kane was coming so deep. He was coming into midfield to win the ball and Sterling was quite often the furthest man forward. But he did make one or two, certainly first half, I thought he made some one or two decent runs and he just wasn't found. And I think that, that comes back to that. Whilst I think Henderson's at a good tournament, by the way, he can't do it all on his own. I agree with you, John. Deli Ali for me, looks like a, he looks like a bit of a passenger, to be honest. If, if Whether that's just form or, or, or fitness, I don't quite know. He certainly obviously had a, a couple of niggles through the tournament. But Sterling, those runs he was making, he wasn't getting found. So I think there's probably an element of frustration on his part. And then maybe when he is getting the ball, I think maybe he's forcing it a little bit too much, maybe trying a little bit too hard. You know, is there... He's only got two goals to his to his England record. Is that preying on his mind a little bit? I don't I don't know. I certainly agree with the boys. I think in terms of talents, I think he's he's one of our better players. You know, he is a lad who can who can run at the opposition. And there's not loads of them um, in the England team. So I felt a little bit sorry for him, but I, you do wonder now is Southgate looking at maybe making a change and you know is he looking at maybe a Rashford maybe tweaking it slightly from a system point of view possibly? I mean the change isn't obvious and 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 that's. The, the issue I guess the Southgate's got and that's what might save Raheem Sterling in that Mo Rashford plays in the third group game sort of fluffs his lines a little bit he's got a great one-on-one chance that he he misses really we get a corner out of it but he, you know he, it's a miss and and you know comes on yesterday playing centre midfield or something I think he was centred off at one point I'm not quite sure what he's doing but and, he, and you'd be surprised if he started with Kane and Vardy up top, oh, yeah. wouldn't you? Certainly at this stage of the tournament. And so, I mean, Sterling might end up keeping his place just because of a lack of options. Possibly, that's true. I, I still, as much as we see him doing it more and more for Manchester City and we saw it a bit at Liverpool, I still don't think that he's a striker. I still don't... Th- and that system where he's playing with him and Kane up top, I still don't think he's fully comfortable. Uh, at the times where he was looking to link up with players, particularly with Lingard, as the guys said, there were a couple of times where you could see what he was thinking, but no one else on the pitch could see what he was thinking. And I'm kind of okay with that to a certain extent. Like, if you if I look at him and Jesse Lingard, a lot of the mistakes that they made, you could see what they were trying to do. It just didn't quite come off. And they didn't hide. They kept going. They kept putting themselves in those situations. They kept giving defence a problem, even if they didn't necessarily lead to a shot on goal. If I was Southgate, I would be more worried about Deli Alley than those two because Ian's right. It's really hard to think about. And I'm thinking now, what did he do in that game? Was there any one moment where it was like, okay, yeah, we saw the best of him there? There was. Was it him who set up Harry Kane for that header that kind of went over the bar? I'm not sure. If, so. if it, it might have been him, but when you look at how he's been playing. Not only has he not affected the game, he's looked unsure with himself as in maybe he is carrying an injury and he just doesn't want everyone else to know about it. But when you consider the difference and the impact that Ruben Loftus-Cheek has made when he's come on, I would be seriously considering starting with him. And as for Rashford, I like the fact that, again, he's someone who doesn't hide. He's someone who always puts himself in that situation to try and score goals. I still think that as for England at the moment, he's a much better as an impact sub than a star. 
I mean, they look pretty good at the back. Danny conceded a late goal, which is a bit of a blow, but generally speaking, uh, they didn't concede too many chances. Trippy is having a really, really good World Cup, and Harry Maguire bringing the ball out last night just brought me endless joy, <laughs> thinking he was Carlos Alberto, but it was working. Yeah, I think he was England's man of the match, Harry Maguire. Um, nothing got past him. He was great in the air, especially when um, Baka came on and there was a really physical threat up from, from Colombia from, from two players there. I think they were really comfortable, and I think that was partly because... Colombia were atrocious going forward for the majority of the game. They sort of forgot to play football for a while, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, it was like they'd been told to make the game really bitty and nasty yeah. and stuff, but then forgot that in the in-between bits where it's actually going on, <laughs> you have to score a goal. Um, I thought that Quintero was really quiet. Quadrado's use of the ball was atrocious. He kept giving it away, and they got nothing really near Falcao. I think it, sort of extra time, they did a lot better, mainly due to the fact they were playing 4-1-5 because of the players that they brought off the bench. It was, it was a requirement yeah. that they had to go forward, really. But it, it, it meant... Their performance in the 90 meant that, that England were comfortable, but they also just looked really calm. And I think what what's their most positive thing going into the quarterfinal game and in theory beyond that, I think, is that they still all just look like they're not taking it that seriously. And I, I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that as a positive. It looks like they're all just having a good time behind the scenes. It looks like on the pitch they're all really relaxed. As we said before, they didn't really take the bait an awful lot with no. Colombia. Um, and, and I think that's just really important. I think they look like a team that won't panic at any point, whether it's it gets to 85 and they need a goal against Sweden or whether it's they get to a semi-final and they're ahead, but they're under the cosh at the back. I think they just look really calm about the whole thing and that's... A, a really important quality to have if you're going to look to go as far as you possibly can. So, Mo, you're from the South. Yes. Um, have you been hearing reports of uh, street parties? I saw Shoreditch brought a standstill with three um, lines chat. What are you hearing from back home? I, I, <laughs> my, I don't have my ears to the streets of Maidstone quite as uh, often as I used to. It's a real shame. Yeah. Well, I don't know about that. But no, in, in theory, we joke around. But yeah, I've seen lots of videos of a lot of my old friends um, having lots of fun in pubs and outside of pubs and across the streets. And in some ways, I love it. I love seeing it because it makes you think that, you know what, all these people, and it reminds you how long it's been yeah. since we've had actually any positivity come out of the England football team. Yeah. And for these guys, it's like there's been a massive outpouring. It's great. I just worry about what would happen at the end of the, this particular line, as in how, if England don't win the World Cup, how it how that line is drawn, how they take it, how they accept it. And then if they do win the World Cup, I, I, I'm not even sure that's not the worst scenario at the moment. Because, I mean, I, I, I think this is the, the issue that some people have with England, isn't it? It's not about the team. or It's about some of the outside that they have, the team themselves have no uh, effect on. Yeah, I saw Neil tweeting last night, he's away, he was tweeting that he doesn't think England do nationalism very well. And I can sort of see where he's coming from, although I feel like sometimes that we just look at our nationalism more closely. Like, I mean, they don't do it great in Italy. No, <laughs> no, no. And, it's, and, and so, so we, probably, we probably do look at our, our ours a bit more closely because it's nearer to us. Mm. But that said, I don't know. It just it always looks like it's about to spill into something that you're not going to enjoy. Yeah, and I mean, when I used to live in the South, um, I went to, I remember, went to an England game during World Cup 98. And that was actually the last time I've been to a pub to watch an England game because of what happened around there. But I'm choosing to be positive here. Yeah. Um, I think I, I noticed as well earlier on, just before we did the show, that the game on against Sweden is happening at the same time as London Pride March. In fact, Sophie Ellis Bex is going on stage just at the same time as kickoff. That's interesting. <laughs> I know it. I'd rather be. <laughs> <laughs> but just the, the idea of that kind of weird melting pot and if England win and the, it's kind of mad mashup of pride and London pride and uh, I, I don't know it just kind of warms my heart the idea of something like that I mean it's, it's quite it's quite the after party isn't it yeah yeah exactly <laughs> I'm, I, if England win I, I'm genuinely tempted to get in the train now <laughs> I mean because they will because it's coming home obviously obviously <laughs> um, I mean Ian like we're, we're spoiled as Liverpool fans are we you need to remember that we've just had the, the brilliant ones of the Champions League final we've we've had Istanbul we've had you know not as much success as we like but it's been a laugh and so you, you kind of it's hard to begrudge kind of other other supporters of, of other 
teams kind of getting excited. I saw something from Steve Goldsmith, who's our Sunderland correspondent, and you know, a, a, a decent night for them, wasn't it? And and he was saying, like, you know, people telling me not to get excited. It's like I've been watching Sunderland for the last five years, mate. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm, I'm, forgive me if I. Um... <laughs> and it's true, isn't it? It's like you know, if, if you, for, for someone who. You know, who's, who's been waiting a long time? You know, why, why should you necessarily temper your excitement, especially when it's coming home? I think <laughs> <laughs> you convinced me. Give <laughs> I think. I mean, kind of catching up with with some of kind of Sky Sports um, kind of news this morning. There was a lot of obviously scenes from various bars and stuff, and obviously it did tend to be kind of down south. Although I have to say, the Geordies seem to get banged into the international footy; they're, they're right up for it. So there was nothing around the kind of northwest, which probably tells it a story, to be honest. But the further they go, I find myself getting more involved in it. And at the start of the tournaments, I wasn't really. You know, I wouldn't say I wasn't ours because I, I love tournament football and you know I want to see England do well and, and, and go far. But if they go out, John, you know, it's not it's not the end of the world, you know what I mean? You're kind of over it within within five minutes. But as as they start to go a bit deeper, and even last night when it got to penalties, you know, I was I, I, I wanted them to get through, I was willing them to get through, and some of that might have been because I didn't want Jordan Henderson to suddenly become the scapegoat, and you could already see a little bit of that happening as as he misses the penalty and there's that weird Spurs Liverpool thing going on. Um so yeah, you, you want to see them do well. I mean, it, it's it's. I always remember back to '96 and going back a while now, and it was obviously held here in the country. But there was a feel good factor around yeah. most of the country when that happened. And it's a different side and different times, etc. And a lot's happened since then. But you do feel like this manager's managed to forge something where you don't hate every single one of those players if they don't play for Liverpool, which is a bit weird because there's been plenty over the years where, you know, you John Terry's, etc. Lads who represent Chelsea. It's hard to get behind them because you've slagged them off throughout the whole season and all of a sudden you, you'd expect to want them to do well. That That's hard, but somehow this manager, I think he's he's managed to create something. You know, Dan's point before about the lads actually enjoying it and maybe not giving that much of a shit. And I know that sounds wild because they, they clearly care, but they're going about it in the right way and it doesn't seem like expectations weighing them down massively. They've got this bit of collective spirit going about them as well. And I think people can buy into that, especially when it's a young group of lads as well, all around a similar age. So... So yeah, I hope they I hope they go on and I hope they, they at least make the semis. But it will be good to see England in a World Cup final. Yeah, um, I mean it's funny he's talking about you know not disliking players. I managed to do so with, with Eric Dyer quite a bit oh, last night just because like I think I finally figured out why Tottenham haven't won anything because <laughs> you know like everyone says like the brilliant you know, goalkeeper brilliant defenders brilliant Harry Kane you're like well they can't all be brilliant and then like, it's him like, that fifty minutes yeah, he had was fucking wild he? he was wild I mean even his penalty was shit if, if Ospina did have smaller arms than Pickford he saves that you know what I mean and keeps I think it out he sort of goes late doesn't he I think he waits for it rather than guesses on it I don't know but but. But anyway, never mind. Uh, Monday, there's a couple of belters, wasn't there? I mean, that, that Belgium-Japan game, everyone, like, you, you feel sorry for Japan, but, mm-hmm. I mean, excellent World Cup. It has been fantastic. And every time you think in our world, it's going to be, it's going to start plateauing out. We're going to start getting tight, tense, horrible games to watch. I mean, obviously, it's, for neutrals, probably they'll say that happened last night. But, again, with the Japan and even when they went 2-0 up and the quality of that second goal in the, in its creation and execution, you're just thinking, wow, maybe this is... Because this is a World Cup of Shops. Wow, this is a really good Japan team. You never know. They could go on and make a historic performance. I love goals where the ball doesn't move, by the yeah, way. Yeah, oh, fantastic. It's so true. It's just like, oh, fantastic. But... Massive credit to Belgium, massive credit to Martinez, <laughs> two of the most unlikely substitute heroes yeah, to yeah. come off the bench. Well, actually, thinking about it, Fellaini coming off the bench and doing Fellaini is not really that surprising. We have seen him do it quite a lot. In fact, it's one of the, my favourite things about him is that every manager will eventually come round to the idea of, let's just throw him out there and cause some havoc. No matter which one who's played for, whether it be Moyes, Van Gaal, Mourinho, Martinez, even Mark Wilmots. If you've got him there and you need a goal, it kind of makes sense. And as good as Mai Yoshida had defended and the whole Japan team had defended... Yeah, he was unreal, wasn't he? When you saw him getting ready for a set piece against them, you didn't give them a chance, did you? You just knew that he was going to get hold of the ball nearly every time. And as it proved. Do you think there's anything they could have done differently, Dan? 
Japan in terms of seeing the game out from 2-0 or do you think you've just got to take your hat off sometimes to a, to a really kind of spirited Belgian team? I, I don't think so really because I mean the first goal that gets them back in it from Vertonghen is a complete fluke. Yeah. They actually yeah. defend it quite well. It yeah. gets booted away and then he just loops this fluke of a header back in <laughs> um, and then you get beaten by Fellaini in the air again. I don't think there's an awful lot you can do and, and when, I, when I first saw the third one and like as it was happening in real time, I was sat there going, why are they so high up the pitch? Why is there, why is there only two lads back? But then I was thinking, to be fair to them, it was the 94th minute, yeah. so he was trying to win the match. Yeah, exactly. And they were probably knackered and thinking, we can't do 30 more minutes of this, let's try and win it now. Yeah. And if he catches it, it's probably the end of the game. But then as, as it got knocked in, I felt terrible for them. And Shibasaki and Choji on the floor punching the fuck out of it. <laughs> <laughs> it was an absolute bit for it them. It was genuinely yeah. emotional watching it. Because, like you say, you want people to go for the glory. You don't want them to think, well, okay, well, we hold what we got and we'll just see what extra time. You brings. want risk to be rewarded. Yeah, and, yeah, exactly. and it, it wasn't in that scenario. Yeah. And they had played brilliantly. And I really liked them in the group stage as well. I was banging to that 10 minutes he played against Poland where they just kept the footy. Thought it was absolutely great. I know everyone else was furious about it. <laughs> but I thought, fair play. I've they conceded a goal or out. It's fantastic. Japan, I, Japan have been Japan. my favourite team in the tournament. And there's a couple of more reasons as well. One of them is the kids. It's great. Uh, it's absolutely lovely, mm-hmm. kids. And the second one, I love that they've brought all the Japanese footballers, you know. And it's a bit like, yeah. when, you know, you go and see Van Morrison, you just want him to play all the hits. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, oh, remember Honda? Like, yeah, I do. He's, he's 33 and he plays in Mexico. We'll be brought him along. We have brought every Japanese fella, you know. Did you, did you see, by the way, the story yesterday? I was just like, doing work and, and I was I was like planning tweets in on Twitter and, and the feed refreshed and it made me genuinely so sad that the headline was um, Japanese players leave note in oh, Russian yeah, yeah. congratulating Belgium and thanking staff and yeah. it was, it, they're just so nice yeah. and, and the, like they've, they've cleaned the stadium and they've cleaned the dressing room and stuff yeah. they just seem like they've had a really lovely pleasant time <laughs> and yeah. for it to have ended in the way it is I just felt awful for them I think Japan have been definitely been one of my favourite teams to watch, and that and that kind of twenty minutes and that's that's second half against Belgium. Some of the football they were playing was unreal. That they were just pressing the Belgians so high up the pitch. You know, I don't think they knew what to do with it to be honest with you. And you you do feel for them because it's heartbreaking at the end, and it's probably the cruelest exit of a World Cup I can remember in a long time. I do have a, I think Akira Nishino, the Japanese Japanese manager, kind of. He kind of takes responsibility after the game and says, you know, he holds his hands up a little bit. I felt they were a bit bit naive to go and throw, lump, lump that ball in at 2-2. I, I get what the boys are saying. And, and if they'd have scored there, but you're thinking, well, Belgium are so good in the air. They'd won everything in the air all yeah. game. And it, it felt like a naive thing to do, so just to lump it in. Uh, when you consider how big the Belgian team is, there's loads of lads who are well over six foot. And then, you know, on the break... From when the Bruyne gets it, you kind of think this is going to end up in the back of the net, and and by then they're still yards, miles away from goal. But yeah, there was a sense of kind of almost I don't know, it was going to happen, and there's nothing anyone can do about it. But to go out in that way, it was it was so cruel. I mean, it, it set us up with a a Belgian Brazil quarter final, which mm. you have to say could be a belter. But it was still a tough way to go out for competition. <laughs> it's the only one I predicted pre-tournament, by the way, Belgium against Brazil, but. I mean, I get your point. You, you, you've got to think about it from that perspective. And if you're the coach, you're definitely thinking, yeah. If you're a fan of that team, you'd be like, no, we can sit here and, and not kind of care too much because none of us are fans of either of those two teams. But if it was if it was Liverpool and we'd done that, yeah, people but, would but be the, 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 the flip side of that, though, is that Belgium really hadn't looked like putting together a move like that. For, I mean, fair enough, they had the mm-hmm. quality of the players when they were there. When you saw them doing it, you think, OK, we have seen these guys do this before. They are quality players. But they hadn't really showed much of it in that game up to that point. So you can kind of see why they wouldn't necessarily have expected it to happen the way it did. But when you think about Lukaku as well, he'd had a, had a pretty frustrating game as far as he's concerned. He hadn't had a lot of opportunity. And the two that he had, he hadn't done well with them. No, it was a rubbish header, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Oh, so for him to have the clarity of thought and the calmness and the composure to know not... I'm a striker, I need to score a goal, I need to get us over the line here and try and shoot. But for him to say, no, I know the best thing for us as a team is for me to let this go and let Nasser Chadley roll it into the net. I think that he needs all the praise in the world for that, definitely. His run also pretty much makes the goal happen because he takes he takes the defender, Nagatomo, away and whoever it is on the right-hand side has got acres of space to pick the pass out. Um, I, I, I think that he could be Brazil. 
but there's still just something about them that makes me think they can't win the World Cup. Martinez. I think it's Martinez. I think it's the run, because they're basically going to have to beat Brazil and then France. But I think they could get to that final and then lose the final. Because it's coming home. <laughs> Possibly, John. But if, if by some absolute robbery, Croatia are in the final instead, I think that they could lose to Croatia. Or if somehow Russia got there, I just think that yeah. I just think that when it came to the moment where Belgium were meant to win the World Cup, mm. that they wouldn't for some reason. Just some, just something would conspire if, against if, them. They if, wouldn't play well. Whatever. If Russia are in the final, I won't be tied in only best against them. Seriously, because if they've got to the final, then it's pretty much a done deal. Okay, um, Brazil do play Belgium in the first, well, second quarter final. Sorry, um, it's on Friday night. It should be a belter. It was probably the best performance, I would argue, Dan, of the of the World Cup so far. You know, they didn't light it up by any stretch of the imagination, but it's a decent Mexico team. They've beat them two 0 They've looked professional. They moved the ball pretty well, and and yeah, I'd say they're coming into coming into a little bit more form. I think so. I still don't think it was. Totally convincing. I thought they had a shaky 25, 30 at the beginning where Mexico looked the better team. And then Brazil just, just realised they could keep hold of the football in midfield and, and stop them playing on the break. Still, second half, actually, Mexico had a few where they were sort of three on four or something and there was a lad carrying the ball through and he'd just shoot from 35 yards instead of playing Lozano or Hernandez or whoever into space. And, and that was a bit mad. It seemed like they were sort of working against themselves in that sense. But Brazil were making chances and there's been games where they haven't been making chances um, the, the Costa Rica game they struggled against Switzerland they didn't really do an awful lot Barcatino Brown won him from sort of 25 yards so it did feel like an improvement but still the kind of I think they've got a good link between midfield and attack Coutinho's a lot of that but Paulinho's been playing quite well as well but then once it gets to the final third they've just looked a bit ordinary I think I don't think Neymar's been playing particularly well I know he does an awful lot for both goals but I think generally in the 90 minutes he wasn't great Gabriel Jesus just isn't giving them anything Really, and I think that's something that they're going to need to change. Willian's been quite quiet as well, so I think if they are going to still go on and win it, they're going to need those players to step up an awful lot. I think they need to be starting for Mino, and that's not just from a Liverpool bias point of view. You can just see when he comes on that that he works with the two other sides so much better. A lot of what Jesus is doing is for the benefit of Gabriel Jesus. It's it's not really anything else, and it means that the ball gets there and everything kind of breaks down. They're not working together. They're not making runs off each other. There's no one twos getting played. Mm. I think that they're still my favourites to win it, but with more of a reservation, more of a caveat, I think, than before, because I've just not I've just not been convinced by them completely in any of the games that they've played so far. I've, yeah, I go along with a lot of that. I think that the kind of performances we were expecting to see out of them pre-tournament, we haven't seen, definitely, for sure. I think what's going to be interesting about the Belgian game is that Casemiro is going to be suspended because he got his second booking. So, will if they do put Fernandinho straight in, as I think he came on for him during late on in the game, mm-hmm. uh, then that's going to open up a lot more in terms of link play. It might even help Jesus. You never know because it's again someone who's used to his runs and knows how to potentially find him. But I, I agree with you. I still think that if they're going to go on and win this tournament, more of their good players need to be at their peak and they've got to solve the issue of Neymar because it is an issue it's the scored again he did score again but it's it's the risk of well it's kind of like how much do he give you and how much does he take away from you because I do think that some of the issues with Jesus is the the the, the not so much the shadow of that Neymar doesn't really know how to involve everyone else in the play when he's doing it and it's not just because uh, he's he's not very used to doing it in fact maybe it is because he's not very used to doing it I mean we saw at Barcelona obviously they were able to be such a great front three and it, everyone was passing to each other in the system got a WhatsApp group yeah yeah they look like best of buds <laughs> and all that kind of stuff but outside of that wherever he's been there seems to be the situation where he takes it upon himself to drive the game forward. And if you're good enough, then that's fair enough. You can understand it. But when you get to this level, when you get to a World Cup, when you get to your playing teams that have players who believe that they're just as good as you are, you need to use the team. I mean, he only has to ask Lionel Messi about it, about how hard it is to try and win it without having the rest of the team around you. 
And someone needs to get that into his head. I, I, I thought at some point some of the older players in the squad would be able to sit down and say, look, I know that you want to make your mark at this World Cup, but the best way of you making your mark at this World Cup is by us winning the damn thing. And the best way of that is that if you start to bring everyone else into it. But that doesn't seem to have happened yet. I blame the sponsors. I'd speak of the sponsors. We are proud to be uh, oh, <laughs> to, to, to be to be joined by Red's best. You don't try and influence what we do in any way. Um, we want you to be gamble aware. If you if you don't gamble, then and, and it's not for you, then, then stick with that. But if you do gamble and you enjoy gambling on the World Cup, then we would encourage you to do so with Red's best. Just because fifty uh, percent of their losses go to supporter initiatives and supporter um, funded activities so they'll have some good look, good good stories on that coming over the next few months uh, I'm going to ask you to do your team of the um, of the tournament so far just while you'll have a little think I'll just do a few of the Reds Best Specials for the World Cup these are sort of Liverpool related so any Liverpool player to score in the World Cup final is 13 to 2 I'm still not sure about that one I just can't think of it apart from apart from Lovren uh, I'm still not sure anyway. are you tempted by it? Trent <sighs> 13 to 2, though. It just, it just doesn't seem long enough. The next one, uh, Luis Suarez scored the first goal. Uruguay v. France is 15 to 2, which isn't bad. Uh, the next one's funny because we did it last time. It's Roberto Firmino to score the last goal, and Neil Atkinson only gave it to Ali McCoy's side of 5 at 7 to 1. And it happened, didn't it? Yeah. So it happened. So if you well done if you got on that 7 to 1. Actually, often 8 to 1, uh, presumably because Belgium are a better team. Uh, Roberto Firmino to score the last goal, um, 8 to 1. So that's a good bet. They've also got a price here for a lot of carries to start the first game of the season, but it's just upsetting me. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so I'm going to grab the pen and paper from the middle, and then I'm going to ask you guys to argue. So I'm just going to take your headphones off and away from the mic. Sorry. Um, <laughs> if he's got a goal. My um, suggestion would be Igor Akhenfeyev. It's hard to look past him since he's had the most um, magical goalie performance. Uh, I like Maslera, uh, Uruguay. I think he's yeah. been really consistent. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, as a wild card, I really like the Iranian keeper, Baron Van, partly because a friend of mine, Stevie, told me to look out for him before the World Cup, and he's been proved right. So I have to give a shout out in that respect. My, my wild card would be the first Tunisian goalkeeper who played 13 minutes against <laughs> but made three of the greatest saves of all time in those yeah. 13 minutes. It was absolutely spectacular. Yeah, what a World Cup. Yeah, what a World Cup he's had. I'm, I'm happy with that in favour, though. Generally. You happy with that in favour? Yeah, I'd go with that. I, I thought the Uruguayan goalkeeper's been, been pretty impressive as well, mm-hmm. to be fair, but yeah. Okay, but, so I'm going to help me spell that. It's two E's. A-K-I-N. I mean, not too easy at the beginning. I was going to say. <laughs> A-K-I-N. But I should sound fair, That's why I do the hosting. A-K-I-N. F-double-E-V. F-double-E-V. That's the double. There yeah. we are. What about a right back? What are your suggestions? What, what, what system are you thinking? Because a lot, I think a it's lot harsh, of... by the way, you didn't give pick for the show. So yeah, that's going to be like the best save. One of the best saves of all time. It doesn't matter, doesn't it? Yeah, like, yeah. That, that, that saves. Yeah. And to be fair to him, the penalty save as well yeah. is, is, a, is a belter. So, yeah. But system-wise, I mean, you've got a lot of teams that are playing three at the back as well. Let's so... say we're going to go with 4-3-3. Okay. But yes. we can change it if needs be. That feels standard. Okay. Feels fun. You can get three strikers in there. Right, full-back, Mum. Kieran Trippier. I think Trippier's been good, but, he's, but my point was he's been playing obviously as a wing back, yeah. which is why I asked the question. Trippier for me, he's been probably. I mean, if you look at, he's not been tested loads defensively, but certainly going forward as a forward threat. Some of the crosses he's putting in, he's obviously has contributed to, to setting up goals. I think Trippier's had a really good tournament so far. I, I agree with that. Um, I think even the mistake, quote unquote, he made over the Colombian goal last night, you can understand it. I mean, he said after the game he thought he was heading it into the air so that's why he jumps and then once he's in the air and he sees it from down there it's kind of like what does he do he doesn't have time to think well maybe I should just sit here and let it smash me in the face yeah. but he thought he tried to be proactive tried to get it over the bar and head it into the bar again. but you're right every game uh, that I've seen him play he's made a positive impact at both ends of the pitch and as a fullback that's pretty much all you need I'm happy to go with Trippier okay. my, my suggestion would have been Mario Fernandez. It's been really, really good for Russia. Um, 
we might find out that all of these really good Russian performances are, are fueled by something untoward in the decades <laughs> to come, but for now we'll just enjoy them and say that they're yeah, great. Yeah, we, 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 we can be innocent now, even if they turn out we'll to not. Especially if we've got no evidence. <laughs> well, you say that, Gibbo, but no evidence. <laughs> no evidence whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, absolutely none. Uh, hello to all the lawyers out there. <laughs> I think that was a save by Givens there. Uh, put him in goal. Uh, Centred half, so would you want to pick a left back? We, we've got an Aberdeen. Yeah. I think there's been some some standout since that. I mean, obviously Gideon and, and Jimenez for your have been excellent, but uh, I mean, a, a shout out to to Mina as well from from yeah. Colombia. Obviously, he's uh, he's been doing bits both ends. I need to be fair to him. with Liverpool. More yeah, than the show. is it? Is it? I thought yesterday is it, is it Grandquist as Grandquist well? Grandquist is for, my Grandquist. suggestion. For, he's been absolutely Sweden, great. I think he's been outstanding. So. They're the lads I'd be kind of putting into the mix, to be honest. I think, I think we have to go with Knankfist on the on the basis that he played that match yesterday in the knowledge that his wife was due to give birth and said that he didn't care he was staying, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. which is full commitment to the and, cause. Fabian, yeah. Del, yeah. Fabian Del fucked off the big shoes. Uh, out third, well, so. third one? <laughs> no, yeah. Yeah. You know what happens. You know what happens. You know before, I, I would say... Godin and Granquist will be a, a pretty formidable two with the Barker, I have to say. Okay. 100%. Uh, I've just Googled it so I can spell it. So <laughs> fool out of itself again. Left uh, back, man. Ooh, see, the left back is a bit tougher, I think. I'm trying to think over who's really I, I would think of um, Strinic for Croatia. Mm. I think he's been really good. I feel, like we, I feel like I've got to pick a Croatian defender because they've had the boss defence. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. <coughs> that's fair enough. And... Yeah, he, I would say of the others, I mean, without looking too much into the goal, I would say... I know, wait, no, Pavel's right back, isn't he? He is right yeah, back. Yeah, He's so. got a belter as well, to be fair to him. He, I mean, that goal he scored against Argentina was unreal. Lucas Hernandez has been good, though. Yeah, no, I was going to say, the, the, both of them... In fact, the sides of the French defence have been great. Further mm. In the middle, we started getting into issues. So... But no, I think I think I'm not sure it's going to be we have to get someone from each team, rada rada rada, kind of thing in. But no, I'm happy to go with Strinich as well. Strinich, sound. Go on. Uh, when we're we'll waiting on the mic, midfield. Now it's going to get interesting. <laughs> I'll let you just pick three, and don't worry about how they all fit together yeah. and who's, who's tackling and all that, okay. or, or passing. If you pick three three lads, you just kick people. Up to you. I think we have to have Modric, to be honest. He's, yeah. Despite the penalty miss, I think he's been absolutely great. Yeah. Almost because of the penalty miss and his reaction to it, I yeah. think that kind of levels it out. He has been grand. There's, there's no denying that. I really, really enjoyed watching um, Irving Lozano. I don't know whether or not he's going to count as the forward three or the back three. I think he's three. going to have to be the forward three. I think three. he's forward three as well. Okay. I just worry that there's going to be so much competition in there that we might have left out. But if we're getting... Okay, if we're thinking pure midfielders... I mean, Casino's been operating in the midfield and his, yeah. his early performances are where, where good. I mean, it's hard, I think it's hard to pick players who've had three or four absolute belting games on the spin. It, it's not really happened, you know what I mean? Certainly from a, an attack on point of view. But I, I would say Coutinho's... Probably done enough, I think. You know, Dan talked before about that kind of bridging midfield to attack, and he, I think he does that does that better than most. I mean, this, we're not talking about a, a Brazilian team here that's kind of nineteen seventies, etc. But they've still got a loads of attack and threat. I think the, the manager, you know, he's, he's ex Corinthians, and he, he likes to have a solid defence and build mm. from the back. So there's probably not as much emphasis on attack as maybe one or two previous Brazilian teams albeit they still like going forward but you know you see today Mexico have more possession than them for instance yeah. so they're not a, a massively free-flowing Brazil in, 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 the, in the kind of regards to maybe some previous ones but I still think Coutinho has been excellent I mean are we leaving it to teams who are still in? No No, no, no it's anyone so Okay in that case then two guys in midfield who I had written down earlier who I thought was because I did this a week ago by the way um, Isco I thought he's been good. I know that Spain haven't, but I thought he was always the one who was good. I thought he was poor in the final game, no more against against Russia. I thought he was not poor, but I thought a lot of his passing was without purpose. I was, I was a little bit disappointed in that yeah. game against Russia. Even, even being honest, I thought he... I like Esco a lot. He's a brilliant player, but I thought that game, as with maybe one or two other Spanish lads, didn't really live up to, to his kind of... Go on, who's your other one, mate? We'll slaughter him as okay, well. Okay, uh, Valen Barami. 
It was my other one. Oh, for, but Army has been boss. Uh, the engine, yeah. the, the engine allowed to kick people yeah. behind Modric and Coutinho. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. His first game when he was tracking Neymar, he just booted them all yeah. over the pitch. And and but he did it in such a quality way as yeah. well. He never went too far over the line. And it was really interesting because I was listening to something Tim Vickery said about Neymar after that game, and it stuck with me ever since. Is that he grew up in the futsal world where there was always a referee, even from when he was playing really, really small. It's always had the referee. So he's always been able to kind of, anyone who looks to kick him, he's been able to use the referee as a way of kind of getting around it and saying, look, and then the referee will eventually suspend, discipline them, and then they'll either have to stop playing that way or they'll get substituted or sent off. When he gets to man football, it's not always going to have the referee who's going to be that uh, applicable to him. Sometimes you're going to get a referee who tells you to do one. And that's exactly what happened in that game. And he doesn't really know how to deal with that. And so much of his football in education has gone through this kind of sheltered existence of him saying, well, we know you're great now, so we're just going to help you be great. And we're going to kind of protect you from all those people who might want to kind of foul you and snap your leg in half or any of those kind of things. And you can see why. But the downside to that is that he doesn't have that inner resilience that sometimes you're going to need in those kind of games to whereby what happens if you get a referee who doesn't care? What happens if you get a guy who's that's that little bit too clever to go too far, but it still makes you ineffective? Can I put a shout out for Torreira as well from Uruguay? No, really, I've written them down right. now. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I should get off now. Torreira's probably the tackle. <laughs> like, we. we I, I could quite easily go for nearly everyone in the Uruguay side because yeah. I, I think they've been brilliant. I've still been linked with him as well, I believe. So Yes, he's, he's good. Yeah, he's a good player. Can we, if we move on to the front three, can we not have Harry Kane in it? Because I think he scored six goals and barely three any of them were actual goals. Three pens as well. One literally hit him on the foot and flew in. Yeah, I don't I'm, think he's I'm, actually I'm played that well. Kane. I, th- I thought, aside from the goals last night, his game was really good in terms of his hold-up play. Yeah. I thought, in terms of being able to take the pressure off in key moments. He was really, sorry, he was really key. And it looked like, again, he was one who was suffering injury-wise, fitness-wise towards the end of the game. But I take your point. His goals have been the kind of, you call them plug-in goals in as much as it doesn't, you don't need to be Harry Kane to have been able to score that goal, with the exception of the winning goal against Tunisia. And also the pen last night, because that penalty spot was a crater by the time he got to it. So, like, you know, fair play for Barry on that as well. But, I mean, I think in terms of pure numbers of uh, options we can have for the front three, yeah, he might end up missing out. I think it's hard not to put Mbappe in it now. Yeah. After the other that day. performance, yeah, I, I tend to agree. I mean, But the- again, he's not had, like, three or four standout performances. As he's had probably a really good game and maybe another half as well. But that Argentinian performance, it was... Unreal. I, I I almost give him as much credit for the 10 minutes against Denmark where he put everybody else on the pitch to shame by saying, this is what you're meant to be doing. This is what it looks like when a footballer is trying to score a goal. Because he was light years ahead of everyone in that game. And it's almost like we're now at the stage where we're expecting him to take over the tournament, so to speak. So he's got to be in there. There was a Guardian headline before, which I like, I'm going to read out to you. Without asking permission, Kylian Mbappe has burst into footballing history. <laughs> <laughs> Without asking Maradona had to go up to like Ethan and go, listen, My God. is it all right if I start being boss? <laughs> Without asking permission. Also, like, he's being brilliant in that, and that performance, I think, is one of the great World Cup performances. But people are acting like he didn't get bought for €190 million Euros yeah. last year. He hasn't burst onto anything. Right. He's literally the second most expensive footballer of all yeah. time. We all knew he was good. Exactly, and I think... He, I'm writing him down. He would probably be a bit affronted by some of that. It's just to say, well, where have you been for two years? Or you've not been watching me. Mm. And I, I really think that in terms of France getting, how far they get is, can they get a system where him, Giroud and Griezmann are all comfortable, all able to be effective? Because at the moment, it seems to be any two of the three. It doesn't seem to be all three of them together. Okay. Uh, is anyone going to make a shout for anyone else? I've got a vote on Bappy down to you playing. I'm going to put a shout for Cavani. I, I, I think you've got to, haven't you? I mean, I have to say, watching, I mean, Suarez didn't have his, his best game in, in the opening of the tournament. He was really poor, but I thought Cavani and Suarez doing that against Portugal were, were sensational to watch. Like, And Cavani gets the headlines because of, the, because of the, the two goals, 
but Suarez's performance in that game as well, it was like going back to watching him play for Liverpool <laughs> again, the way he was kind of, he made so many things happen, both the way he's able to kind of win free kicks, which I always enjoyed the snideness of his performance, but also when Cavani goes off, the hold-up play, the ability to kill time, the ability to, to, to feed players in, he was, I thought it was awesome, but I have to say Cavani's recent performances, you know, culminating in those two goals, he's got every every shout to be in there, I think. Cavani gets a nod for me over Suarez as well. I think in their opening game, although he didn't score, he was by far the better of the two and I think he was their biggest threat. He actually put Suarez in a couple of times in that opening game yeah. as well and Suarez probably should have done better. So there's been a bit about Cavani where he's been potent inside the area Certainly recently, but actually outside the box as well. He's been pretty good, so I think that's a fair shout. I think Uruguay have got a really strong chance of winning the whole tournament, but yeah. depending on his injury, that could be a huge blow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I, I don't think they've really specified more than the fact that he was took off yeah. and then looked yeah. uncomfortable. He seemed, he seemed point, really worried about it after the game, so... I'm, I'm, I'm going to insist upon the last one, if I'm honest. Well, put I, Cavani in anyway, and you also in, 100, 100 scouts points for calling him Cavani. <laughs> 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 Johnny was talking about the first thought must be Cavani I'd go as far as 100 scouts dad points that Cavani my favourite my favourite thing is when people call Pele Pele (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm going to insist that the last one without debate is Takashi Inui been absolutely fantastic scored boss goals and I just think we need a Japanese lad. Okay, I'm lo- I'm looking at the other guys I had on my list, and if none of them are Takashi Inui, then they're not getting anything. <laughs> <laughs> Don't waste your time. Man. <laughs> I would quite say extensive list, by the way. I, I would, would say. Well, yeah, this was done a week ago. All oh, right. The only one who I would really think that we should at least mention, even if they're not going to make the team, is uh, Shurashev. and not just because of the fact that he scored the Russian goals, but it's the fact that he started the tournament on the bench. And half an hour in, their best player gets injured. They're all thinking, what the fuck are we doing now? And he comes on and he scores his goals. And he... But mad how he got benched for the Spain game, though. I it? can't believe how he got benched for the Spain mad game. mad how he got benched for that. Considering that that's where he grew up and that's where he spent a lot of his Real professional Madrid, career. Yeah. Yeah. It just seems rad. I mean, I feel like this is all futile because he's just going <laughs> to say, I don't care anyway. <laughs> and I don't, wanna, I don't want to feel like... <laughs> I don't want to feel like I'm against Sanui because I, I, I've also enjoyed watching him. You can't take this away from the Japanese I, I, as well. I, I think you wasted your oh. old time here, Melvin, honest. God, I've just had the look. He's just gone to Betis on a free. On a free? You know? I, I, was, I was saying to Neil the other day, we were talking about him. I said on the last show that we should genuinely sign him. What you do, you send Michael Edwards to Andalusia tomorrow and say, listen, lads, you've just got him on a free. Here's 10 million euro. Just take it. It's fine. It's all right. Quick it's... profit. You've made it for nothing. Just take it. We'll have him. It's fine. What's, just what's... take it. <laughs> You can lash him as well back. if it helps. <laughs> <laughs> no, I okay. I'm happy with that. Let's, let's put in boxed in it. Manui, there you are. Eight so so chef can be the good mascot. Look, good luck spelling it, lad. I'm all right with that. <laughs> four, four letters on the side. <laughs> um, so I'll read it out for you. Go, you got Akin Fiev, uh, back four, Chippier, Golden, Grandfist, and Strinich, and then you got Barami, um, Holden, and then ahead of them, Coutinho and Modric, then you've got Inui, Mbappé, and Cavani up front. I'd say that's pretty good, gentlemen. I think that's you've done a good job. Let us know, your your team, if you disagree or, or you think we've uh, omitted someone scandalously, uh, do listen on the comments or tweets us or whatever. And, you know, well, if it's, if it's Inui, Dan, I'll listen to you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, huge thanks to the guys. I hope you're enjoying the World Cup as much as we are. It's been an absolute belter, so I don't see how you can't. But thanks a lot for uh, Dan, to, to Mo and to Ian for joining me. I've been John Gibbons. And that's, this has been a World Cup special in association with Redfords. Sports Social Podcast Network.